0: to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia and I have a guest on today. I'm really excited to talk to him. Um, thank you to Layla for connecting us. Can you introduce yourself?
1: Yeah. Hi everyone. I'm Xavier Clark. I'm an actor, writer, and a teacher.
0: Awesome. And where are you currently living and can you describe more of what you do right now?
1: Yeah, so I'm currently based in Los Angeles, California. As I, I identify myself as a multidisciplinary theater artist. And so whether I'm acting or writing, um, My work is sort of deals with the intersectionality of race, queerness, and religion, and in hopes to educate a large variety of folks from different backgrounds with these topics through uh, innovative methods. And I am currently in residence at the Echo Theater Company here in Los Angeles, California, where I've been developing my new play, Where Angels Fear to Tread, which will have its is reading on zoom next friday november 20th so i'm really excited for that
0: i can't wait to check out the reading so can you talk about what residency is looking like right now during you know with these years circumstances
1: totally yeah the thing about our residency so it's called the national young playwrights and residents the echo theater and the cool thing about our residency is that typically this residency has always been, uh, for the bulk of it, it's been remote, um, even before the pandemic, because um, it's the National Young Playwrights Residency. So it's, um, you don't have to be based in Los Angeles, even though the theater company is based in Los Angeles, you can be based in any part of the country. Um, and it was really a program that was sort of designed for, you know, playwrights who didn't live in, you know, big. Theater, entertainment cities like New York or LA to be able to access um, those same resources and get to you know develop their work with these uh, these people, and so it's open to any everyone from across the country, and so the beginning you know I I got this residency in I wouldn't say April was when I found out, and so then I started doing my remote meetings with my mentor uh, on Zoom, and uh, over the course of the past five or six months we. Um, just developed a whole new play from scratch, um, which was wild to think about now that we're sort of at the tail end of the residency. But the biggest change I think with the pandemic has been the actual reading component of the residency, um, which, you know, had it not been for the pandemic, you know, everyone would have gathered in Los Angeles in a theater together. And we would have met with actors and rehearsed with them in person, you know, done events and stuff like that. And, you know, there is something special about being in a theater with other people and experiencing a play together. And also as a writer, you know, when you get to watch, an audience's reaction in, you know, present time to the material that's so such golden information for you as a writer. And so that's definitely a portion that um, I will miss because we are having to do all that on Zoom now. All the readings are happening on Zoom, including rehearsals and other meetings and stuff. I'll definitely miss the live component of it all. But at the same time, I'm excited because on Zoom, we are able to bring together a cohort of artists to collaborate with from all across the world, really. Um, We have actors who are based in New York, who are based in like Middle America. My director is based in Virginia. And we're all sort of like juggling different time zones and um, trying to bring this play to life next week. So it's bittersweet because it's great that we get to bring more artists from all around the world to work on this project with. But at the same time, it's also like, oh God, I wish we could be, be in person and experience the play live um, with a live audience.
0: That's been so tough with the arts. Um, and like you said, there are so many things that couldn't happen otherwise. Like bringing people from such geographically different locations together. That has been what's special about this year. And I also, it's been really interesting to see how people um, reformat their work um, to work on a screen and like the creativity that goes into specifically that. Are you able to, I don't know if you want to talk about it like before the reading, but have you like had to adapt certain scenes to work more on Zoom or do you feel like the play lends itself already? Well, to a reading format.
1: Yeah, that, that's a good question. I think when I was writing it, I don't think I thought about the Zoom format, really, because, you know I was so focused on making it theatrical and imagining it in a theater, being performed and being done in a theater. Um, and also, it wasn't until I want to say like late August, early September, that we even got confirmation that we were going to be doing these readings on Zoom. I think up until that point, there was still a little bit of hope that if cases were doing better here in Los Angeles, that we could meet in person. At that point, they, they just the theater decided to go um, fully remote with it. So by that point, I had already pretty much written the first draft of it. And at that point, it was it was like tricky to be like, oh, now let me pivot to make it work on Zoom. So for the most part, it's still a very theatrical piece. But, you know, because it's a reading, you know, a lot of stuff we can sort of like pardon, like a lot of theatricality. We can sort of like get by without having to fully display. We will have someone reading stage directions for us. And so hopefully some of the action that we won't be able to convey live, the the audience will still get to sort of like use their imaginations to not miss out on um, the flow of the piece, including you know all the stage directions and um, the actual text itself.
0: Yeah, it's been a lot for like artists to adapt to this new format and also for audiences to adapt and to, like you said, learn to use their imagination in a different way. Do you want to give kind of a synopsis of the play?
1: Yeah. So the play starts off in 1970. Play takes place in Istanbul, Turkey. And we start off with uh, these two characters uh, named Sterling and Betsy. They are Harlem royalties, best friends, and um, they are in Istanbul. They, they, they live in New York, but they're in Istanbul for a uh, Betsy's cabaret tour. And their last night in Turkey, they decide to sort of like venture off into more underground, lesser known parts of Istanbul. And, you know, uh, in, this, in this adventurous night, they encounter a male belly dancer and his name is Tanju. The world just kind of goes topsy-turvy for all of them after this encounter. And we sort of track their relationships through the 1971 uh, military memorandum that happened in Turkey, all the way through the uh, 1980 military coup d'etat that happened in Turkey. And so it's, uh, it's an impossible love story through the, the historical context of these um, political events. And it's, uh, it's really an exploration of, you know, what does West versus East look like when politics and also identity politics are a bit more intersectional and a bit more intertwined and what that might look like. So... That's the play in a nutshell, but there's so much more to it that uh, I don't want to give away.
0: (laughs) Can't wait to see this. And so you mentioned Istanbul. You grew up in Turkey, right?
1: I did. Yes, um, I did. I I didn't grow up in Istanbul. I grew up in Adana, which is on the southern end of Turkey, right on the Mediterranean Sea, very close to Cyprus. but yes, I did grow up in Turkey.
0: Amazing. Uh, is that where you started exploring playwriting?
1: It's where I definitely started exploring my creative side, uh, for sure. I actually started off as a dancer, believe it or not, when I was very little. Um, that's that's kind of where like the creative juices started flowing in me. Um, I would just play. My dad had like a huge record and CD collection and I would just go in and play all the different songs that I wanted to and make up all these dances in my living room. And then my parents were like, okay, like let's sign him up for some like dance classes or something. And I, I danced pretty religiously th- till like high school, I would say. And I did all kinds of different um, genres and everything. And then like sort of middle school-ish, I started, I, I did like this like drama class and I was like, oh, like theater's kind of fun too. Um, and then in high school, I discovered like musical theater and I was like, oh, I can like act and dance and sing and like do everything. This is so, na- this is like my dream, right? Um, and so that was really fun to explore. But playwriting kind of came later for me um, in my artistic journey. It was, uh, it was kind of a... Um, I want to say it was like my like act of rebellion against being disappointed as like a actor with just like the limited roles that existed for people like me and you know sort of like the stereotypical nature of a lot of the roles um it just really it, it just was really starting to get under my skin and I was like you know what you know if I don't create the stories that I want to tell as an artist no, I can't wait. I can sit and wait around for someone else to do that because, you know, there aren't a ton of half Black, half Middle Eastern theater artists out there, you know? So it's like, if I want to see those stories told, I kind of have to take responsibility and kind of go at it on my own so it was not it wasn't until i was in grad school that i seriously started working on my 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 craft as a writer and that's kind of that's kind of where it's led me now but i first started as like a dancer then an actor i was religiously an actor till like grad school and then writing kind of took over me from that point on
0: oh wow yeah we've had we've had a few actors come on the podcast and They're Arab American and they've talked about like roles that they have been kind of stereotypically typecasted into and and just, yeah, how frustrating it gets. Do you want to talk about like what kinds of roles you were coming across and like what because you mentioned that there were a lot of stereotypical elements of the roles that you were seeing. Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's such a huge problem. And I think in the past, I would say like four or five years, we there's been more um, recognition, like acknowledgement of the issues uh, as it pertains to representation um, in Hollywood, in on Broadway, you know, in the theater industry at large, and I would say just the entertainment field, you know, at large, there's a huge representation problem um, for folks who don't identify as white. Um, and I think for for me, it that looked very particular because, you know, people look at me, right? And they just see, they just see like a black man. They're like, oh, he's just black. Like, we'll call him in for, you know, all of our black roles, but then when I, go in for Middle Eastern roles, a lot of times I am met with a lot of like resistance and pushback because they're like, well, you don't look Middle Eastern. Like you're not olive skin. You don't have a thick black mustache. You know, your name isn't, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, Little do they know my middle name is Barack, which is literally straight from the quran um, <laughs> yeah but so that was like a that was a particular challenge that i have had to face where you know i every time i wanted to go in for a middle eastern role they would tell me oh you look too young or you look whatever but it really it was all code for you're not middle eastern enough and you know once i started writing i wanted to sort of like debunk this this myth of like what middle eastern folks or arab folks are supposed to look like and it's like we look all different there's all different shades of middle eastern folks and we come from different walks of life we come from different hybrids and there's just so much more to us than these you know very poor stereotypical and quite frankly lazy depictions of middle eastern folks as these you know terrorists or, you know, just like the villain in every story and very like one dimensional. I mean, even for this workshop, the, the workshop of my play, you know, as we were trying to cast it and I was, you know, being recommended actors to, to look up, you know, I go on their websites and I look at their reels of what they've done. And all of them, literally, you're watching these reels, all of them have done one or two, these like smaller roles on like TV shows, like NCIS or Blacklist or Blue Bloods, where it's, they're playing terrorists. And and just like seeing so many of them back to back as I was trying to cast this, I was like, oh, like, this is why I write. This is why we need more multi-dimensional, multifaceted stories of our experiences because we're so much more than what the West has and what Hollywood at large has sort of like diminished us to. Um, so I take that very seriously and I take, take it to my heart. And as a writer, that's just something that's always on my mind, you know, both for my Middle Eastern heritage and for my black heritage, you know, how are we furthering the conversation when it comes to representation and, um, you know what stories haven't been told you know what stories have been neglected and that's kind of where this play in particular came from you know I was like i've never seen this kind of a love story told before um so i think i need to write it because if i don't i don't think anyone else is going to do it you know um so now that i'm more on the writer side of things i take my pain and frustration from just like the casting issues I've dealt with as an actor. And I'm now trying to be a part of the change moving forward um, with the stories that I write.
0: Amazing. Yeah, it's it's wild what the West thinks of about the Middle East. Like, this still, this myth of it being, like, this large homogenous region. It's both. And, th- and then you dealing with, like, your Middle Eastern part of your identity being erased. And then also dealing with, like, your Black your blackness being erased like when um when it comes to like arab anti-blackness that happens very frequently and Mm -hmm. yeah and just Mm -hmm. god so it's like from every angle someone's gonna be like a naysayer and it's yeah that that sounds so frustrating and i'm so glad that you are um creating work to fill in this gap that shouldn't be a gap right right yeah Yeah,
1: it's like you win (laughs)
0: <laughs> do you still um, take incorporate dance and acting into your current work? Or are you um, focused on playwriting for right now?
1: So da- dance, not so much anymore. I think uh, I, when I'm, a few years ago, when I was still living in New York, I was doing musical theater um, acting. And so when I would do musicals, I would get to dance. But I kind of haven't been doing that for a long time. So I, w- I haven't been doing dance as much. Um, but I'm still very much an actor. Um, I have representation here in Los Angeles. And so I audition for projects on the regular. So I still very much am acting and um, pursuing that while also writing. But I definitely think, you know, my my background as both a dancer and an actor um, influences my writing a lot. Um, and if you look at any of my plays, dance is always, dance and music is always, a huge part of the fabric of my stories. Um, and in particular, in this play, in Where Angels Fear to Tread, you know, um, the, our main protagonist, Tanju, is a male belly dancer. Um, and the the dance becomes this motif that we track throughout the whole play. Um, And so, yeah, movements, people moving their bodies in certain ways is definitely still something that intrigues me a lot. And and I I do explore that in my in my writing um, as well, because there's a reason why dance was my first intro to creative being a creative. And I think I still carry that sense of fascination with me, even as I kind of like took a different path, uh, sort of separate from being a professional dancer. I still I still definitely carry that with me in any work that I do.
0: I love that you can put your knowledge of dance to um, so much use in this new context. And yeah, can you talk about like, what was the decision or like, what was the thought process behind the setting of this? Why did you decide on that particular time period um, and the particular, like, uh, and Istanbul in particular? Like, I would love to hear about kind of like what what went into that, uh, making that decision.
1: It's it's interesting for me, when I write a script, the idea for the scripts, I always say they just come to me. It's, it's almost like the universe delivers the subject matter to me. And it's always they always come to me when I'm in a heightened state of awareness. And so I really do think it's like a universal cosmic energy type of thing. It's never a, oh, I'm eating a piece of ice cream. Like, let me just write a play about ice cream. It's never that. It's always when I'm in a heightened state of awareness. And this play in particular came to me when I was watching a production of a play called Cambodian Rock Band by Lauren Yee um, last year. At the la Jolla playhouse in san diego and the play what the playwright was doing in the play was so fascinating to me because it also took place in the 70s and it was about um cambodia's political history but it was told through the lens of this um cambodian rock band quite literally um and so it was like part rock concert part like contemporary tale but also very like historic and like political and it was a part of history that we don't get to see often um, told on stage or on screen. And to me, that was so I was so fascinated by it that I was like, oh, my God, this is I want to do something like this with my own history um, because there's so much of Turkish history that also a lot of people don't know a ton about. And, you know, one of the most I, I would say, one of the most like prolific and like uh, influential historic events in contemporary Turkish history are the military coups because there's been a handful of them the most recent uh, being in 26 July of 2016 and then you know several of them in the 80s, 70s and 60s and so I wanted to I wanted to take a stab at that um, and explore that um in a similar fashion that i i witnessed in cambodian rock band um and then so 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 that's that was that was the first component i was like okay i want it to be the military coup i want it to be in the 70s i want like the time period and then and then you know i was like okay well what's my way in right because it's if if it's not personal to me if i'm not bringing a part of my identity to the table then I, I i can't i just can't write it that's just not how i work as a writer it always has to come from within me and so i was like okay like i'm going i want to bring the two sides of my you know mm-hmm. ethnic hybrid which is i want and i want them to be separate yeah. characters so i want you know my turkish identity to live in like one corner of the tennis court and then i want my you know black heritage to live in this other corner and i kind of want them to just go at it at this like intense tennis match and see what happens you know and so that's that's there were the that's where sort of the um impulse to create the like west versus east um to bring that to the table in the story and then i was like okay well it has to be it has to be in turkey you know because if i'm going to talk about the coup it it just makes sense that it would be set in turkey and you know i always love istanbul even though i didn't grow up in istanbul i grew up in adana i had a lot of family members in istanbul and i just think it's a fascinating city the history of it is beautiful and there's also this there is like a mystical energy to istanbul as a city that's very different from the rest of Turkey you know like Istanbul's kind of like the new york of turkey it's like you know in the states it's like new york is its own thing when then you go to the rest of america and it's a whole different situation and i think that's how i think about istanbul as well in turkey and so i also wanted to like create like a love letter to istanbul at the same time and so it was like i i just came up with all these ingredients of what i was interested in and then i kind of put it all together into this play and i was like okay let's just see where this goes and where it takes me and then. And then when, it was really when I got the residency that, and they were like, okay, like you have all this time and resources to write something new. I was like, oh, I've had this play in the back of my mind, you know, I think this is the time to, to really, to really do it. And, um, and, you know, a lot of the ideas for the play came to me kind of like right before the pandemic and then the pandemic happened and I was like, well, I can't do anything. <laughs> you know, it was like the world's crumbling, our field is shut no. down, people are dying. Like I not you know, like I kind of fell into this like um, kind of like a slump of sorts and then a month into the pandemic I got this residency and I was like, "Oh, okay, like I think this is a sign from the universe that um, I need to I need to write this I need to write this story. Um, and then yeah, I just went at it through the residency and now here we are ready to like share its first iteration with a group of people on zoom which is just wild to
0: me (laughs) yeah just how much has happened since you first conceptualized this play that's amazing i'm so glad it's happening right now like i'm sure that having the space and like this specific space to create this was really refreshing in such a messed up year and i know what you mean about istanbul like that's the place i keep going back to um i've been there like six or seven times every time it's just oh really yes and like that there's such a special energy to that city that i cannot um i just can't uh, articulate and i know what you're talking about like right yeah like yeah. I. yeah and I, yeah i'm excited to see um how istanbul how the that magic of istanbul kind of portrays itself through this this particular play um I'm really stoked for it um so i would love to hear oh, oh actually i also want to comment i think that analogy that you're making is so powerful like you talk about you said like the tennis match um of like east versus west and then you're which is like you portray with characters who are meeting and and the analogy is to your the parts of your own inner identity your own identity that's really amazing how you are reformatting like your life experience by creating characters that are going to kind of like show that dynamic that you have always dealt with yourself this sounds like an incredibly beautiful um story and i'm really happy it's about to you know, be shown. Um, and hopefully you can, you know, it'll, you'll be able to show it in the future in a, the theater setting that you had envisioned. So how can people check out this reading if they want, if they want to, um, like, where can they find it or register to get tickets or?
1: Yeah, so you can, the, anyone who wants to uh, view the reading, you can go to and And you can click the tab for 2020 National Young Playwrights in Residence, and it'll list all of the plays or six of six of them uh, that are happening in the festival. Um, The first one is happening uh, this week, and then uh, my play is part of the second week of plays, so it'll be the following week. But um, once you click on that link, it'll show all the blurbs for all six plays. And then uh, you can just find Where Angels fear to Tread by Xavier Clark and Click on the ticket link and um, it's uh, pay what you can. So um, regardless of um, financial situations, we want everyone to be able to um, experience this play. So um, you can just snag your tickets there and then they'll send Zoom links for everyone to be able to view it on November 20th. uh, Friday, November 20th, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time.
0: Perfect. Ah. Can't wait. Um, and if people want to follow you, <laughs> if uh, if people want to follow you on social media or like get in contact with you, what would be the best way?
1: Totally, yeah. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Xavier B Clark. Uh, uh, I do. That's the only social media I really do. And if you want to check out uh, more of my plays, uh, you can go to newplayexchange.com dot uh, and just check out uh, my profile under Xavier Clark for to check out uh my other place
0: everyone go follow him um and you can follow us at the queer arabs on insta twitter and facebook and reach out to us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com and our website is thequeerarabs.com and all of our episodes are on all your favorite podcast apps thank you so much xavier for coming on this was really great to um, connect with you
1: of course, thanks so much for having me. It was a blast.
0: Oh, and I wanted to ask, will people have a chance to talk to you at the Zoom reading?
1: Oh, I actually don't know. I, I'm not sure if, they're, if they are having a talk back, but you know, okay. if, if people view it and they have thoughts, have, just you know, send me a DM on Insta. I'm happy to engage with folks about the work there too.
0: Well, thank you so much again, and thanks all for listening.
1: We'll